I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Maintenance Guy, Mr. Bionic. That's how I was hoping you were going to end that. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you this week. Uh, Mr. Bionic is crowing a little bit because he f- debugged a problem that yeah. delayed us from recording. And we've got a long night night of recording, but uh, we want to focus on our show this week. And I want to tell you, Mr. Bionic, mm-hmm. that it is a pleasure to be back with you this week on the quake I'll after tell you what, man. having missed last week. I was mm-hmm. at a conference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, it's just so good to see you. Likewise, bro. Likewise. it This has become one of the high points, in my opinion, of just, you know, life and, and just... You must have a wretched existence, then, if this is the... Well, have you seen me in person? <laughs> I would say this is sort of like when Reverend Wormbrand found that little shell of a bean yeah. and that little gruel that they got, you know, yeah. and they all celebrated. That's what the future quake recordings like. Yeah, pretty for. much. Yeah. Pretty, a lot like that. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, I did miss you because uh, last week I was in San Diego at the Truth Exchange Think Tank. So did you exchange your truth for a lie or what? Well, you'll find out soon. <laughs> but Dr. Peter Jones, who's been on Future Quake, a guest a few years ago, uh, invited me at the last minute to come. And it, basically their ministry, truthexchange.com, is a pretty highbrow ministry trying to develop the theological underpinnings for... Um, educating the body of Christ in America about the change to a pagan worldview and how we are now sort of in a post-Christian culture and how how do we still carry out the commands of Christ and the mission uh, just like the early church had to do in ancient Rome, basically. Hmm. And so it was sort of funny. Almost every speaker there it was a long conference. It was like from... Uh, t- Tuesday evening until Friday uh, midday. That's a that's that's like an academics type. Well, like it was a meeting conference meeting from seven thirty until eight thirty to nine. Wow! And uh, but they were all almost every one of them was like a college professor mm. or something equivalent to that. A couple pastors, but college professor types. So I sort of felt like the Ernest T. Bass of the group, you know. Well, welcome to Tennessee. We're all glad to see you. Near, yeah. near, now I'm going to play a song on my banjo now. Here we go. I just threw a few bricks through the windows, yeah. you know, and danced around. Yeah. With the... <laughs> I was a tea. <laughs> well, all that... <laughs> now, you know some of our listeners don't care for that. <laughs> just the other... I was a professional bluegrass musician. I can make fun of myself. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you come by it legitimately. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was fascinating. It was a good time to be with people who were a little bit more highbrow, first principle kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, however, um, one of the things that we have on Future Quake I've really picked up on is a little bit more of a connection to the street in terms mm-hmm. of what's really going on out there. And a lot of people weren't aware. But we're a bunch so, of street people. Yeah, group. basically. Yeah, bag person. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, some of those folk may be listening because got to talk to a lot of the attendees. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they, you know, they were intrigued by future quakes, sort of like looking at a traffic accident, you know, <laughs> and morbid curiosity. And so they may be listening. So if you are, uh just want to say Happy hey to you. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah, you yeah. for tuning in. 
Yeah, and uh, I'd like to say hey to Philip if you're listening out there. He's a pastor out in Wyoming mm-hmm. that uh, I think he sort of gets what we're all about. Sweet. And got to spend some good time with him and mm-hmm. uh, met some friends who fed me some wonderful Cuban food out there. Man, I like Cuban food. And uh, I'd like to say hey to them as well, too. So, anyway, it was a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, Michael Heiser had spoken at this group Sweet. before. And so he Was probably will. Council he'll probably hate me because I, I actually uh, m- mentioned that I first met him at the Roswell UFO conference, Ancient of Days. Uh, you know, uh, maybe I don't know. He doesn't seem to really shy away from yeah. that stuff. Well, it's the folk out here. This just wasn't sort of that kind of clientele. That's They're wonderful Christian yeah. people. Love being with them, but I'm, I miss being here. And it's so good to be back with you recording. Mm-hmm. So, any other announcements you have? I have one big one, but. Uh, if you have anything you want to bring up. Well, there's certainly the, the big one is is our conference that we're going to be speaking at in April seems to be moving ahead. Politics of religion? I think that's going to that's shaping up to be a doozy in a good way. If the word it needs to be promoted in my Christian magazines, it needs to be promoted all over the web. Mm-hmm. I think people will come to it. I think so too. I think uh, it's going to be powerful. Yeah. I know yeah. I I know at least one conference uh conference talk is going to be powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Yours will, too, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't be talking about me all the time. Uh, it's thepoliticsofreligion.com. Is that correct? Yeah, the, thepoliticsofreligion.com, I the believe. Politics, yep. And we need to have CJ on our show. Indeed. And talk about it. Yep. Plug it a little bit and mm-hmm. get people energized to come on. Mm-hmm. Everybody should come. Both of us will be there. Future Mobile, mm-hmm. just like the car show. It will be in attendance. Yep. You're going to have pictures made in front of it. Yep. Uh, going to have the hydraulics installed on it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it will be a nitro-burning funny car by the time Sweet. they see it. Uh, but, uh, in fact, we're going to have a convoy, it looks like, of some other gangs, mm-hmm. uh, some other groupies from yep. our area going up with us. Yeah, well, yeah, and Brother Chris White and Brother Chris Pinto. We'll both be speaking there. We'll be rolling. Andrew Hoffman, sort yep. of the fifth beetle of Future Quake, yeah. so to speak. Rolling and in the uh, 5.0. Yeah, and uh, so it's going to be, be a great time. Uh, it's going to be power. Yeah. Be powerhouse. Yep. Um, if you've not heard, most everybody's heard, uh, but Tom Horn, uh, who yeah. will be having that interview on our show here in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. we just did with him recorded, um, has had a tragedy happen. I was one of the last people to find out, uh, that he and his wife needed their home burnt to the ground. That's terrible. Um, and, uh, my presumption is they lost everything. Uh, I think some of the stuff for the ministry stuff was maybe place some another building or something mm-hmm. like that on the property but i don't know the details but i would ask you all to pray for the horns uh for this devastation you know they care so much about their ministry i could sense that they don't want to even be distracted enough to grieve mm-hmm. over what's happened they want to make sure the ministry keeps going and everything but keep remember their people mm-hmm. they're human beings they probably had a lot of collectibles other things like that of their life that they you know mm-hmm. um lost i'm sure mm-hmm. so please keep them in prayer and think about what maybe what you could do for them mm-hmm. maybe support their ministry with something things like that they could certainly use it now. yeah so keep them in mind related to uh ministry stuff we have a million things going on right now um uh, far as i know we're still full steam ahead february 26th to have a time of prayer yep. you and i are going to be praying outside the national religious broadcasters mm-hmm. meeting Opperland hotel Yep. This is not an official gathering, okay? This is not an official call or gathering. It's official because you and I are there. But, you know, if people want to drop by and 
pray with us. We're going to be praying for wisdom mm-hmm. for all of the distinguished Christian uh, media people that are all meeting inside that meeting, mm-hmm. praying that maybe even the Lord would open their eyes to issues that we cover, mm-hmm. that uh, week after week I rail on why don't they cover this issue or that issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see if the Holy Spirit can do a, a work that so only God can do. Yeah, uh, and we, we just want to be still gotta, available. We still got to go check it out. And yeah, we'll get you some more details about. Uh, uh, we'll tell you where to look. I'm, I'm going to try to get a flag printed or something to hang up above the future <laughs> mobile. Flag or something. Well, so, similar, maybe future quick logo or something, so go. people know where to see us. Yeah, we can't make a huge big scene. Uh, we may be told to move along anyway. Yeah, in which we do. Uh, I'm going to try to see about getting a restaurant uh, outside the grounds there. That mm-hmm. if we have to move our operations, we'll do it there. If not, go get a bite to eat afterwards. But tentatively looking at five o'clock central time on saturday the 26th so if you can mark your calendars if you're within a reasonable drive mm-hmm. of this area try to do it early enough so uh it'll still be at least a little light i don't think sunset comes for another hour at that point or half mm-hmm. hour uh you'll be able to find us and then you know i can't imagine being more than an hour at most there mm-hmm. uh uh, if you want to come get a bite to eat with us, that's fine in that neighborhood. But if you need to drive back wherever, you'll still have time to drive back Sweet. wherever you need to be. But And if you can't come, I just want you to, if you could pray simultaneous at that time. Yep. All of our listeners, if you pass on the word to other people in our in our circles, we'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just appreciate it very much. Sweet. And last thing is about our show. I'm going to try a strange experiment Uh uh, just seeing if this is more user friendly for our is that listeners. Why the electrodes are hooked up to my forehead? Yes. I'm about that. Mm-hmm. Let me hear throw the big switch. Oh, your seed money. No, he still sounds the same. Electroshock. Our listeners said they were sure that would work on you. No, sorry. No, we're gonna try an experiment. If I can keep keep it going. Uh, of possibly editing our show down also into daily installments, uh, where we actually have not only just the one weekly show, but have a daily show where Monday, Monday through Sunday you'll have a, a small, uh, daily show, say 14 minutes or so, uh, where it'll be sort of pre-chewed, pre-cut, like somebody cutting your steak for you. And hmm. uh, so our listeners who like to commute and listen to Future Quake or you use it in your iPod when you're exercising, It'll already be broken up into manageable chunks because a lot of these machines you can't search very well to go back where you were. And we'll also try to have the shows in their intact state. And one of the things that we'll do, it'll make our show a little bit longer. Uh, it'll put an extra segment on the end of our show. But uh, we're going to try to make it a little more sacred to have our last segment of our show be um, uh, Futurian email. Sweet. Uh, so we actually carve out a little modest period of time every week because... Mm-hmm. I, if the feedback I get, people seem to really enjoy hearing from their fellow Futurians. So I don't know if you want to call it like Futurian Focus, Futurian Forum, something else. If you come up with a catchy name, let us know. Futronics. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, we may be experimenting with that. And related to this, uh, since we're going to be breaking up the daily things, we don't want to go through the whole uh, ordeal every day of the music and the ending stuff and all that kind of stuff. Wanted a little succinct uh beginning and end of the show mm-hmm. and so um we uh we thought about it and uh I hate to keep pestering merv on everything you know how busy he is with the Merv's duties around the compound here yeah it's tough it's tough to not get to get stuff done when you're a disembodied head so yeah floating around the area so we, we wanted to try to further class up the joint and so we contacted david payne a good friend of ours mm-hmm. of davidpaynedrama.com uh, 
And uh, he has done that, so you will hear his voice at the beginning and end of these shows as long mm-hmm. as we attempt a daily uh, thing. And we need your feedback on whether you like this approach or not, whether you think it's a waste of time mm-hmm. uh, or, or whether you like it. But uh, having said that, uh, you're probably wondering, who in the world is David Payne? If you go in our archives of Future Quake, uh, back at, toward the tail end of our WRFN days, you will find an interview with David Payne. But uh, just to get you a little update, I did a brief interview this afternoon with him while he was in town. And I'm going to introduce the David Payne interview, and uh, then we'll be we'll come right back to uh, continue with our news here on Future Quake. We're here at Future Quake with Dr. Future, uh, here with an old friend of our show, Mr. David Payne, uh, who's stopping in for just a real quick visit with us. And uh, Mr. Payne, I, w- I want to tell you, thank you so much uh, for doing your little promo pieces for us, for our, our latest embodiment of Future Quake for our daily shows. Absolutely my pleasure. I uh, just thank you that your mesmerizing voice is now uh, <laughs> making our listeners spellbound uh, every day. Uh, and part of this piece is to let them know who you are again if they have not encountered you in our archives, uh, because they will be pestering me to death to say, who is this magnificent voice that is coming every day to Future Quake? So now you know, and in fact... Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, hear more about David Payne, check our archive of the show at futurequake.com. I know most of you have said you've listened to our entire archive when you've gotten on board, but uh, check it out. You'll know more about it. But I want to ask you, uh, since you are a, uh, a master thespian now in the Christian world um, and someone involved in drama, much like uh, uh, Chris Pinto, who joins us as well, and you have your own unique niche, can you briefly explain a nugget of what your ministry is about in, in the dramatic arts? Well, I have, um, for the last 10 years or so, maybe a bit longer, um, um, I have been specializing on dramatic productions based on the life and writings of C.S. Lewis. Uh, my primary production is um, a one-man show called An Evening with C.S. Lewis, and uh, but I do do other shows. We've also done uh, forecast tours of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and um, I recently wrote a play called St. Jack and the Dragon, which explores his relationship with his adopted mother. And um, it's, a, it's a very funny play, but it also explores the relationship between someone who makes a promise that is not easy to keep. And Lewis made a promise which was not easy to keep in, in human eyes, mm-hmm. but he was faithful to that promise right until the day his mother died. So that might whet somebody's appetite. Um, but I also have done other productions. Um, about six years ago, I was asked to record an audio version of, of, a, of, the new, of a new translation of the Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And as part of that launch, they asked me whether I would prepare some sort of dramatic production. I chose the Apostle Paul. I chose an hour in the life of the Apostle Paul when he's under house arrest in Rome gets visited by a servant girl who happens to be a Christian and as they interact Paul reflects on um, many of the things he's written to the churches. So let me make sure I understand one of your points. If someone goes to Lifeway Bookstores and gets a copy of the Holman edition of the Bible on on CD, uh, audio copies, they will actually hear your voice as narrator. They will hear my voice, yes. Okay. And will immediately from the rest of their life transmit you as the voice of God. Well, um, I don't think so, and I would hope not, and my wife would certainly hope not. <laughs> um, but uh, it's interesting. Um, I bump into people from time to time who have 
got the um, uh, the recording and and they express appreciation so I'm very grateful about that and I've recently um, uh, been given permission by Holman uh, well the Broadman and Holman who published the Bible to actually um, prepare all the chapters in mp3 files so I've just done all that and now people can um, can will be able to download the mp3 files free and get the Bible free so they have no excuse then. They have no excuse. Not to listen in their car. Of course, if they don't have time to listen to a future Quake show, of course, first priority, they could listen to the Bible. Yes. As yes, a yes, backup yes, for yes. knowledge and wisdom. That's right. That's right. Uh, on that as well. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in middle America, and we always learned from our King James Bible to pray to God directly in these and thous, uh, which we know. So this will further reinforce uh, with the accent when our listeners listen. You know, I, it, it just struck me, the preponderance of your work, uh, uh, portraying C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, discussing his works uh, in, in your productions. You're sort of like a Christian version of an Elvis impersonator, I guess. Have you ever been described that way? No, nobody's ever described me as an Elvis impersonator, which would be very interesting. Of course, um, as a young man or as a young boy, I grew up on Elvis music, so mm-hmm. I'm a great... Uh, I, um, uh, I enjoy Elvis, but no, no. I uh, people do come up to me ask afterwards and ask me, um, "Am I C.S.? When do I stop being C.S. Lewis?" And I say, "Well, fortunately for my wife, I stop being C.S. Lewis as soon as I leave the stage." Mm-hmm. And some people come up to me and um, and will say something like, "Oh, thank you so much for writing all those books." <laughs> and uh, of course, in the in the play, C.S. Lewis talks about his wife. Who died? Yes, and more than once I've had people come up to me and say, "I'm so sorry about your wife." Yes, and right. you know what? That's the greatest compliment they can give me because if if they get to the point where they they don't they, they that's the whole point. They mustn't see David Payne. Mm-hmm. What, what they must see is C.S. Lewis. And if I can do that, I've done my job. If you can pick a modern day person to represent, C.S. Lewis is certainly an excellent choice. At a conference uh, in the West Coast last week I was at, it was pretty much a C.S. Lewis love fest. <laughs> he was definitely quoted second only to the Bible yes. uh, from the theologians that were there. So if you can make the current generation more familiar with his work and perspectives, uh, we are less of a reading culture right yeah. now. So you found a new way to open the portal to them, yeah. to introduce them to his work and maybe drive them back to his books. Yeah, and and, uh, and I will say, uh, it, without being too pompous as Englishmen can get sometimes, but I think I am. I can honestly say that we have probably driven a lot of people to either starting to read C.S. Lewis or go back to reread him. Mm-hmm. And in fact, only the other day I was doing a performance. I can't remember where it was because we're on tour at the moment, and uh, we were we were doing a performance, uh, uh, two performances in, in on two separate nights. And the second night, I had um, the lady organizer come up to me and say that she'd been talking to a man who'd come the previous night, and he had gone straight out from my play the next day and bought a whole load of C.S. Lewis books. Amazing. Wonderful. So we're very happy about that. And I, I know what you would desire is that they would go from David Payne to C.S. Lewis to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And that's the path, and you found the, the Lord has given you a unique direction. You're like me. You come from an area of technology and engineering. God has created special paths for you to come to this career, right? Yeah, so it's it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting path. Uh, it started. I started off as a young lad in, in as a structural engineer, 
a trainee structural engineer, and um, and uh, then over a period of uh, 30 or 40 years, through lots of twists and turns, I ended up auditioning for a play called Shadowlands, which, of mm-hmm. course, many of your listeners will know that that's a play about C.S. Lewis and his wife. I auditioned for the play to, um, this is about 14, 15 years ago, to um, just for fun um, and just to do something different. And thought I might get a, a small part because it was in Nashville and they said that British accents would be a help. So I thought, well, that's the one thing I can bring to the table is a British accent. And to cut a long story short, I won the lead role. And after that, started an acting career. Mm-hmm. Right. And have basically been able to produce your own production that you control, that you're able to actually oversee the vision for it. And piece by piece, being able to add various parts of multimedia uh, you do live productions. That's still the core of your work, as I understand. But you have video productions that are available. You have all sorts of various manifestations where people can get. Yes, video production, of course, or DVD production. Um, and we sell lots of DVDs when we're on tour, uh, which is good because it means people have enjoyed the show. Um, but I think now the real challenge for us is the Internet. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at ways to really get the the material that we do on the internet. There's other shows that I do. There's a show, little show called Relative Surprise. It's a tiny little story, but um, it's very... I enjoy it because it's about what happens when a relationship breaks up between, say, a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much what happens at that time, but what's the result 20 years later? And this play explores that. Wonderful. And it's got a, it's got a girl in it who's just fabulous actress and uh i do as best i can um uh, but it's a it's a just a delightful little play in my opinion and um uh, and and it's just a fun play but it's also mm-hmm. it's got a a, a, a point to make mm-hmm. well you pop up at all sorts of places and i know i need to let you go because you have some more appointments this afternoon you you let no dust settle on you much less moss so uh, one thing I found very different between you and I, we have similar life experiences, except you've hit success in your work, and uh, we're still here in remedial school, uh, in media, and I want to warn you, there's really no future in the Internet. Nobody listens out there. So. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, success is not what we think it is. Success is the journey, not necessarily the end result. Mm-hmm. And the and the wonderful experiences that God gives us along the way, the people we meet. Oh, we have been on tour for four months now. We've got a little break, um, and then we resume our tour. Um, it, but overall, it'll be six month a six month tour. We'll have done over sixty performances, and the joy has been the watching the audience reactions, meeting the audience as we do after the show, um, things like the the Apostle Paul. People, it's all scripture, and then somebody will come up to you afterwards, and they've been so moved, they can't even speak, and there are tears coming down their eyes, and they're not, they're, 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 it's because the scripture moved them. Yes. And so we've had wonderful experience like that, and then we've, we've met so many great people. Mm-hmm. Now you, for, for example, Prisoner of Passion, I believe, is that That's your production of, of, of Paul, of Paul yeah. in his last days, mm-hmm. meetings uh, of Luke, I believe, or? Well, actually, just... um, if it's a, I, I do two versions, a one-man show and a two-person show. If okay. it's a one-man show, it's, it's Luke, who you never see, he's off stage. Right. Um, and if it's a two-person show, it's the servant girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, Paul is reacting to someone else 
and reflecting on many of the things he's written to the churches and because he's doing it to an individual it becomes very personal mm -hmm. very intimate it changes the whole dynamic of what he said it doesn't change the truth it just changes the dynamic but it's a fresh way to put in perspective all of his work in writing his whole entire christian career yeah uh, in summary yeah I, my, I i say this and this is where again my pomposity comes through but i say this I, I feel so strongly about Prisoner of Passion that I believe any church that really f feels the Bible is important, and that's not always true, mm -hmm. but any church that feels the Bible is important should have something like Prisoner of Passion. Yes, right. And it communicates to people. It connects with them. Uh, people will find you in some strange places, uh, like myself. Um, you actually portray Peter, I believe, in Chris Pinto's work yes. in the Lamp in the Dark series. Yes, and you know what? Um, I haven't told too many people this, so I'm going to release it on air. Uh, uh, this is like uh, a breaking story right now. This we're is having a breaking story. A scoop. I so enjoyed that Peter experience and what how that came out uh, and the, and the, it was only a two three minutes mm -hmm. i so enjoyed it it it's it's now my next my next project from a biblical point of view i'm going to do a program a, 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 a production based on peter and i want to get the feel that chris pinto got mm -hmm. it was just lovely it was intimate it was it wasn't he wasn't in prison um and um, he was talking about the Centurion experience. And so that's my next big production. When I come back in 2012 on tour, people will be able to come and see a show based on, on mm -hmm. that. Uh, that's on if the day. Earth's plates don't move against each other. Or the Lord doesn't come back before then. Mm -hmm. Or the Lord doesn't call me home before then. So with those caveats. With all those caveats, yeah. yeah. In other words, years ago when I was in a church, they would always say, next Sunday, God willing... Uh, we will be having such and such as a speaker or so and so as a speaker. And I always used to think, oh, why do they keep saying God willing? But when you get older, when you get to my age, 69, you start to think, well, next year, God willing, right. I may come back. <laughs> Doesn't James exhort us to do that? Doesn't he say, I'll do this or do that? Is it James? Don't and says, no. You say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. We will do that. So yeah. we have a good legacy. Yeah. Of course, our, our, our word in church was if we didn't make it to church that week, we said we were providentially hindered. <laughs> that got us well yeah. with that. So, yeah, so we, it's, uh, if, if, if God gives, keeps giving us health, keeps giving us opportunities, then, uh, that Peter will be, be my, one of my next big productions. Great. Well, I say big, it'll be a production. <laughs> well, Lamp in the Dark has the entire pantheon of Future Quake uh, stars. You will see Merv uh, play the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, you will see uh, yours truly here. I have an opportunity to burn Robert Hyde at the stake, one of our, our show regulars here, as William <laughs> Tyndall, uh, probably helped by Tom Bionic as well in, in a chain of mail, and uh, get a chance to do a bell, book, and candle ceremony uh, with Wickless Bones. So uh, I want all our listeners to check that out. But in closing, I want people to know about your touring, uh, what you've got going on. We're recording this in January of 2011. What are your your locations where they might find you over the next year and how they can get your particular video products? Yeah, as well? we, we will be touring. I don't know when this goes out, but we will be touring the U.S. Uh, from now. Uh, we've already finished the first leg of our tour. That was from September to the end of December. The next leg is from the end of February to the beginning of May. Um, mostly uh, out west on the west coast 
and if people want to find out where we are they need to go to davidpaindrama.com davidpaindrama.com is that a portal for all of your your products yes. your videos audios everything yeah. everything you want to know is at davidpaindrama.com and so that people know that it's not p a i n but p a y n e p a y n e and we will have that with the archive shows at futurequake.com we'll have that link there and uh, listeners Please support Brother David. Uh, I can say I've had a chance to know him personally, and uh, although he's extremely popular in his dramatic work, he is a gentleman who spends most of his time working with children, providing Christian instruction to them, providing humble servanthood uh, assistance at his local uh, fellowship. You won't find that a lot of people in his position in theatrical work, that he provides most of his time as a humble servant serving uh, the body of Christ, and he has made that a lifestyle. And I believe the Lord has raised him up and honored him because of his devotion uh, in servanthood to Christ. So one thing you can do to help him is to check out these fantastic productions. You will praise us later for recommending these. Please check them out at davidpain.com. DavidPainDrama.com. I'll correct the record here. DavidPainDrama.com. Thank you for dropping by the Future Quake Studios today. My pleasure. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the meal at the Future Quake Cafeteria. The, the meal was wonderful, and uh, the coffee was just out of this world. It served in a White Castle cup, correct? Served in a White Castle cup. Cup. We Absolutely. got you. We got you through the visitor center here at the uh, to the Rotundo Future Quake. We always tell Pyro to put the hairnet on when he's <laughs> slopping the food at the cafeteria. <laughs> but it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Please come by in business. We'll hear your voice every day on Future Quake along with Merv. And we just want to thank you so much for being with us. Keep us posted to your ministry and further exploits. We'll do that. And thank you again. And God bless. Okay, that was David Payne. I hope you all learned a little bit more. Please go to his website. Uh, davidpingdrama.com we'll have that linked at our place mm-hmm. um, he's very kind to our show been very supportive of our ministries we know he's a good believer in the Lord very active in service in his church mm-hmm. and uh, please uh, if, if you like C.S. Lewis you'll love his stuff mm-hmm. and anything else if you like the Apostle Paul you'll like his stuff <laughs> the non-Paulites out there won't they probably yeah. won't um, so that's it for announcements unless there's some emergency you can think of we need to announce uh, the big emergency is we need to get some news. Well, get on to the news. And last comment, pray for our Futurian and other brethren in Australia. They're suffering horribly yeah, under it's terrible floods. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so we hope that you all survive okay out there. And uh, we're praying for you. Mm. So, okay. You want to go first? I'll tell you what. I'll go first. Then you can go first. And then I'll go first. And then you go first. And then we'll be done. You mean I go first second. Is that what you mean? Well, if, if you want to look at it like That's that. political correctness language if I've yeah. ever heard it. I'll go first, and then you go first. <laughs> that sounds like progressive language there. Oh, yeah. Okay, what you got for us? Well, uh, just just a little bit lighthearted one here. Uh, Georgia man fined for growing vegetables. Uh, this is via a website called Eat and Drink Better. Um, an Atlanta area man is facing fines of up to $5,000 for growing too many vegetables on his land. Steve Miller, uh, not the Steve Miller of classic rock fame. Oh, was he flying like an eagle? Yeah, into the future. Yeah, <laughs> this guy, he's a joker. Yeah. Uh, Midnight talk. The, <laughs> what was it? The, what was that word he, he made up? The, pipet, the pompatus of love? Cause no, pompatus. No, it was pompatus, I thought. It might have been profitable. I don't know. Maybe that's something our Futurians could answer in an email segment. Um, 
Anyway, Steve Miller, not of classic rock fame, has had an organic vegetable garden on his property for many years. He grows food for himself and has even sold some of his bounty at local farmer's markets. He received his first citation from code enforcement back in January and has since incurred $5,000 in fines. The tricky thing here is that after citations in January and February, Miller got his property rezoned to allow his garden. The county is still suing him for the fines related to the earlier charges. Um, and that's kind of it, you know. Here's this dude in the country with, uh, you know, nice big backyard. They had a, they had an interview with him, and it's, you know. It's, uh, that was one of the last segments of freedom, was to be able to make your own food and eat it. Yep. What does that say about us? What does that say about liberty when they're now... now Here, say, let me flush the toilet. Here it goes. There went liberty. As well as all of Steve Miller's vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's living in the USA. Mm-hmm. America with a K. Yeah. You know, living in the USA, Steve Miller Band. Mm-hmm. Oh. Living in the USA. Yeah. I think that's the number of bars I can do without BMI ASCAP coming after me, I think. Sweet. Well, as long as they don't come after us. Yeah. That's like worse than getting sued by the Fed. That's true. Talk about New World Order. Yeah. Shock troops. (laughs) Well, that's very sad. It's ridiculous, man. I, I've so actually, now people are going to basically have to hide growing tomatoes like they would pot. Yeah. You know, I, it's interesting because I've been doing a great deal of research on uh, one now, of the, Are they going to have like the war on vegetables or something like that? And, I'll tell you what, man. It's crazy what's going on in Ohio and uh, Iowa and places where uh, these farming communities do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, have like organic milk and stuff. Milk, and mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that that's a big one, but there are other things like organic vegetable co-ops. They're like, they're going in and like undercover police, and you know it's like a like a drug raid. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say, will the ATF <clears throat> add that initial to like their, you know, Bureau of Alcohol, t- Tobacco, Firearms, Organic Food, <laughs> ATF off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, doesn't that fit? Yeah, isn't that exactly what they're what yeah. they're going on? Yeah, I know it's it's terrible. I, it's uh, you know, you can. It's funny because according to federal regulations, federal laws, you can make and you can you can make all the organic food and eat it all the all you want. As soon as you exchange it, it has to be or exchange it or sell it to somebody. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to do that up to five thousand dollars worth, and after that, you have to go through an expensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's five thousand a year. Uh, no, but it's five thousand for the certification plus. Uh, um, I thought you said it's like you oh, could five, yeah, I'm sorry, five thousand dollars a year. I'm sorry, okay, okay. and 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 about after that, it's about five thousand dollars just to get the certification. But you have to have the people come out every year, and they're in your stuff, and they're you know federal agents yeah. and, and all this yeah. stuff. It, like, why can't they have like something like an underwriter's lab or like an independent agency do this stuff? Well, they sort Consumer of do, reports. but but they all keep the prices jacked up and. You know, it's a it's a mess. It's it's a real mess. I've been doing a great deal of looking into. Um, uh, there's this whole movement in gardening called um, high intensity, high yield gardening, uh, basically like mini farming. You know, is Monsanto? They're the ones helping. No, it's pretty much the exact opposite. Okay. You know, you can grow um, tomato plants. You can grow like 3.5 pounds of tomato using all of these various mini farming techniques on from a single foot of six inch deep soil. Okay. I mean, that's that's a yeah. lot of tomatoes, yeah. 3.5 pounds. You know our friend, the Illuminator, that was on our show many years ago? Oh, yeah. He I actually know does lasagna gardening. Where yeah. 
makes his own compost and stuff like that. It produces lasagnas, like in the yeah, it's tray. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, you ready for another story? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is from the Department of Keep Picking on People Department. Uh, this was from Associated Press. Um, this was just just came out at the end of the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. Disgraced ex-Israeli president convicted of rape. Um, former Israeli president Moshe Katsav was a, convicted of rape Thursday, a dramatic fall from grace for a man who rose from humble beginnings to become a symbol of achievement for Jews of Middle Eastern origin. The disgraced politician, who had rejected a plea bargain that would have kept him out of jail, would likely be sentenced to four to 16 years in prison. The verdict was seen as a victory for the Israeli legal system and for women's rights in a decades-long struggle to chip away at the nation's macho culture, which once permitted political and military leaders great liberties, uh, which is consistent with what I've heard in Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about as bad as here. I know, like Netanyahu, mm-hmm. it seems like I remember he was messing around and stuff like that, and everybody knew it. The American evangelicals didn't care. They saw he was the great Christian savior. Uh, Netanyahu, but he was known of really low morals. I mean, worse than Clinton, yeah. and in Israel, yeah. uh, and well, Edward Olmert, they finally removed him for his widespread graft. And, well, they have. You've got to wonder about a culture that has a gigantic statue of Nimrod. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Who are they identify? This uncircumcised with? Nimrod hunter. Yeah. Out in front of the, I was at the university, university. I think. Yeah. 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 That's uh It doesn't low. quite fit the fantasy we have in evangelical yeah, circles pretty, about it. Pretty de Austinized when you stand out in front of Tel Aviv University and see that. Yeah. Uh and all I'm saying is basically these guys are as bad as we are. Yeah. They they don't fit a, a, a fantasy we built. Uh anyway, back to the story. Um it says uh the court sent two clear and sharp messages that everyone is equal and every woman has a full right of her body, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in the statement. But he added that it was a sad day for Israel and its citizens. The Tel Aviv District Court found Kotsov 65 guilty of two counts of raping an employee in 1998 when he was Israel's tourism minister. Now, I think that was the one, by the way, that, um, uh, is it Zippy Livni, I think, the female cabinet member, mm. uh, you know, who was sort of the key uh, person there in the, in the Kadena, uh, you know, party. Mm-hmm. She was the one who wanted to establish Tel Aviv as the homosexual capital of the world, and she, they oh, had these huge homosexual me. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she she was sort of the like the the key uh, keystone tipping point in the power of that party. Um, he, it also convicted him of lesser ounce, lesser counts of indecent acts, sexual harassment involving two other women who worked for him when he was president, uh, and obstruction of justice. He denied all allegations, claiming he was a victim of a political witch hunt and suggesting he was targeted because he is a Sephardic Jew, a Jew of Middle Eastern origin. But in Thursday's ruling, the three-judge panel said his version of events was strewn with lies. A somber Kotsev left the courtroom without commenting, surrounded by his legal team, security guards, and family members. His wife, Gila, didn't, want, uh, didn't appear in court. He was ordered to surrender his passport while awaiting sentencing on a date that was not immediately set. Late Thursday, he was holed up in his home with his family. Israel's presidency is largely a ceremonial post, traditionally given to elder statesmen as a reward for a lifetime of public service. Winning the office capped a career for which Katsov was a model of success for Sephardic Jews, who for decades were a Jewish underclass in Israel, relative to well-off European-rooted establishment. 
That's something that they would admit that because I've mm. read that in the literature a lot that they've always been sort of treated poorly in Israel. Mm. Katzoff's world began to crumble late in his presidency when he complained that a female employee was trying to extort him. The woman went to police with her side of the story detailing a series of sexual assaults. Other women came forward with similar complaints. According to the indictment, Katzoff forced one woman to the floor of his office at the tourism ministry in 98 and raped her. Later that year, he summoned her to a Jerusalem hotel to go over paperwork and raped her on the bed of his room. The indictment alleged that Katsov tried to calm his victim by saying, relax, you'll enjoy it. The indictment alleged that he, yeah, that he harassed two women while he was president, embracing them against their will and making unwanted sexual comments. He also was charged with obstruction of justice. The indictment said Katsov tried to persuade one of the women to change her testimony. Under heavy public pressure, Kotsov resigned in 2007, two weeks before his term expired, under a plea bargain that would have required him to admit to lesser charges of sexual misconduct. But in dramatic reversal, Kotsov immediately rejected the deal and vowed to clear his name in court. Around that time, he held a bizarre news conference in which he lashed out at prosecutors and the media and denied any wrongdoing. His erratic behavior, in which he shook in anger, waved a computer disk he said proved his innocence and screamed at reporters, raise questions about his state of mind. The Israeli public has closely followed the case's twists and salacious details. The conviction of a former president on rape charges, virtually unheard of anywhere in the developed world, mm -hmm. was the latest victory for women's rights groups against the male-dominated military and political establishment. In the early years of the state, some male leaders were known for womanizing and free-willing ways, though that culture has gradually changed. Well, that's amazing. I never hear that in these evangelical talks about Israel. Where they talk about that aspect, I just see, you know, them being very dashing figures. So, mm -hmm. woman's rights group had rallied against Kotsov on Thursday. Hundreds of women stood outside the courtroom holding signs against him, chanting, "The whole nation knows Kotsov is a criminal." Uh, Emmanuel Gross, a law professor at Haifa University, said the verdict was a testament to the independence of Israel's legal system. You know, it, it, I'll give them a point on that. Yeah. Here, here we have our top figures mm -hmm. do horrible, horrible things, and most of the time they always get let off. Yeah, scot-free. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the only guy to go to jail for the uh, uh, Iran-Contra affair, the El Matzakal massacre and all the other associated mm -hmm. various massacres and stuff, was a guy named John Breeden, who, yeah. uh, who was a pacifist, uh, and they, they named... First the, strike against him. Yeah, they named this... They named this this boulevard Poindexter Boulevard after yeah. uh, I think it was John Poindexter, right? And uh, um, he got mad, so he went down there and stole the sign and took pictures of him holding it and said he was holding it for thirty million dollars. So the sheriff showed up and arrested him. Only guy ever to go to jail wow. over, over anything connected to the uh, wow to the Iran Contra affair. Well, one, the lead figure in that is embraced by the evangelical community right now. Uh, um, Colonel Oliver North. Yeah, I mean he's the darling. He speaks at church events and religious events yeah. all the time. I don't know how I feel about that whole thing. There's been, uh, I've been doing some research on it, and there some pretty bad stuff happened. You know, the, they had a. What's the good part about it? Well, moving on. What? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the real question is how much Reagan knew. You know, and yeah. I was a big Keen Reagan fan, but. In hindsight, you wonder how much he just, his all-shucks routine belied what he really knew. Um, it says, uh, Gross says, our judiciary is not afraid of anyone. It is one of our greatest strengths. In recent years, a former finance minister was sent to prison 
for embezzling funds. A justice minister was convicted of forcibly kissing a female soldier. This is just in Israel. And former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert was forced to resign to face corruption charges. His trial is still in court. Katsav was born in Iran and immigrated to Israel as a child growing up in immigrant tent encampments and then in Kiryat Malachi, one of the failed development towns that Israel's earliest governments built to populate the desert. Katsav, who is married and has five grown children, still resides uh, there, a hard scrabble town in southern Israel. Katsav was elected mayor uh, uh, of Kiryat Malachi at the age of 24, the youngest mayor in Israel's history. He rose through the ranks of the rightist Likud party a series of cabinet posts before Parliament selected him to be president. He engineered the upset victory over Nobel Peace Laureate Shimon Peres by rallying ultra-Orthodox Jewish parties behind him. Kotsov's presidency was largely uneventful. In one of his moments of glory, he shook hands and chatted briefly with the president of arch-enemy Iran at the funeral of Pope John Paul II. He also appealed for calm and unity during Israel's traumatic withdrawal of the Gaza Strip. Um... So that's that's basically it. Hmm. It's interesting. By the way, the office of Perez, Shimon Perez, who always comes up when other people fall, other people are assassinated there and things. Mm-hmm. Perez always sort of comes out looking real good and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Perez was connected to the Laban affair, by the way. I wondered. He's connected to all this stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it says the office of Perez, who became president when Katsov resigned, declined to comment. Mm-hmm. He always comes out on the positive edge when something bad happens. Yeah, it's, it's odd. We ought to do a show on the Levon affair. Yeah, I know. Well, I need to find a book or something. Yeah. It's got some of the details. Yeah. If you all aren't familiar with it from some of our earlier shows, the Levon affair was basically when Israeli officials dressed up as Muslims, right, in Egypt? Yes, correct. And did terrorist attacks, killed some of our people mm-hmm. to get us to go fight Egypt, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. That That's basically the size of it. Okay. And there were there were CIA people who knew exactly what was going on, but went, oh, well, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. And then a lot of Israel covered up a lot of that kind of stuff yeah. for a long time. Yeah. In fact, I had a story one time where they just uh, toasted the Levon Affair participants in Israel a few weeks ago. They had a big ceremony for them. That's horrible. Yeah. One so false flag terrorism, they were celebrating it. Yeah. Now the question comes, the terrorism that we have here all the time, are we to believe that that ended a long time ago? Mm-hmm. Did false flag terrorism, where you pretend to be somebody else, did, was that just a fad of an earlier era and doesn't exist? Ask Sammy Samir Hussein. Or, um. Is that Sammy like in Sammy Hagar, kind of Sammy? Yeah. Or yeah. Sammy uh, Davis or, Jr.? Or, or Gulat Muhammad. Okay. What happened to them? You got a story on it? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll do Gulat Muhammad. What the heck? Is this Ghoulish Muhammad? Ghoulet. Ghoulet, okay. Ghoulet Muhammad. This is from Salon.com. Okay. U.S. teenager tortured in Kuwait and barred reentry into the U.S. Ghoulet Muhammad is an 18-year-old American citizen whose family is Somalian. His parents moved with him to the U.S. when he was two or three years old, and he has lived in the U.S. ever since. In March 2009, he went to study Arabic and Islam in Yemen and Sana'a, the nation's capital, and after several weeks left at his mother's urging, and went to visit his mother's family in Somalia, staying with his uncle there for several months. Roughly one year ago, he left Somalia and traveled to Kuwait to stay with other family members who live there. 
Like many teenagers who reach early adulthood, he was motivated in his travels by a desire to see the world, to study, and to get to know his family's ancestral homeland and far and its faraway relatives. Mm. I've actually done similar things. I went to Poland, mm-hmm. you know, saw that didn't see the family farm, but saw the area there. Mm. Um, at all times, Muhammad traveled on an American passport and had valid visas for all countries he visited. He has never been arrested, nor until two weeks ago was ever involved with law enforcement in any way, including the entire time he lived in the U.S. Approximately two weeks ago, Muhammad went to the airport in Kuwait to have his visa renewed, as he had done every three months without incident for the last year. This time, however, he was told by the visa officer that his name had been marked in the computer, and after waiting five hours, he was taken into a room and interrogated by officials who refused to identify themselves. They then handcuffed him, uh, and blindfolded him and drove him to some other locale. This was the start of a two-week-long, still-ongoing nightmare during which he was in prison for a week in an unknown location by unknown captors, relentlessly interrogated and severely beaten and threatened with even worse forms of torture. Muhammad's story was first reported this morning by Mark Mazzetti in the New York Times, who spoke with Muhammad by phone, where he is currently being held in a deportation center in Kuwait. I also spoke with Muhammad this morning, and my 50-minute conversation with him was recorded and can be heard on the recorder below. They And they had a little clip where mm-hmm. you can listen to it. Uh, Mazzetti did a good job of describing Muhammad's version of m- events. He writes that during his 90-minute conversation, Mr. Muhammad was agitated as he recounted his captivity, tripping over his words and breaking into tears. Uh, That was very much my experience as well. It may be difficult at times to understand all of what Muhammad recounts because he he is emotionally distraught in the extreme. Geez, you think getting getting kidnapped randomly and driven into another locale and beaten might affect your, your way of looking at things? But it's nonetheless very worth listening to. Uh, to what he has to say, at the very least to portions of it. Muhammad said he was repeatedly beaten with the stick on the bottom of his feet and his palms uh, hit in the face and hung from the ceiling. Uh, the hanging from the ceiling is very characteristic of what we do. Right. That's right. not necessarily a, a, a... Like the shows with dental rendition and stuff yeah, like there. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Pagan, uh, the, the hitting with the stick is a very Arab thing. Hanging from the ceiling is very really? us. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He also says his captors threatened him with both the arrest of his mother and electric shock and told him that he should forget his family. Mm. He still does not know why he was detained and beaten, nor does he know what what is happening to him now. Indeed, although Mazzetti writes that he was detained and beaten by Kuwait captors, Muhammad actually has no idea who was responsible and told me that at least some of the people interrogating him spoke English. Um... So I would just chalk that up to question mark. We don't know if it's Kuwaitis. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's Americans. Who knows? Right. It, it, it could be it could be Ho Chi Minh for all we yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, he has been told that he will be deported back to the U.S., but is now on a no-fly list and has no idea when he will be released. The American officials told Mazzetti that Mr. Muhammad is on a no-fly list and for now at least cannot return to the United States. He's been charged with no crime and presented with no evidence of any wrongdoing. This event is significant for multiple reasons, many of them obvious. The questions Muhammad Muhammad was repeatedly asked, including two days ago by American embassy officials and FBI agents who visited him in the detention facility, focused on whether he knew Anwar Awalaki, I can't remember how to pronounce that guy's name, uh, the American cleric in Yemen who has 
become an obsession of the Obama administration. It was why he went to Yemen and Somalia. Kuwait is little more than a subservient American protectorate, and the idea that they would do this to an American citizen without the American government, government's knowledge, if not its assent and participation, is implausible in the extreme, of which I would wholeheartedly mm-hmm. agree. Right. That much of the information they sought from Muhammad is of particular in, is of particular interest to the United States government only bolter, bolsters that likelihood. Independent of all that, the U.S. government has an obligation to protect its own citizens, you would think. Muhammad described to me, excuse me, Muhammad described to me how both embassy officials and the FBI expressed zero interest in the torture to which he had been subjected during his detention. The U.S. government has said nothing about this matter and refused to comment about Muhammad's treatment to the New York Times. All of this underscores the rapidly expanding powers the U.S. government and law enforcement agents within this country are seizing without a shred of due process. For the government to put an American citizen on the no-fly list while he's traveling outside the U.S. is tantamount to barring him from entering his own country. A draconian punishment, involuntary exile, meted out without any due process. In June, the ACLU filed a lawsuit on behalf of several citizens and legal residents who, like Galette Muhammad, have been literally stranded abroad and barred from returning with no hearing, simply being placed secretly on the no-fly list. Adding to that, the growing seizures of the laptops and other electronic equipment of American citizens re-entering the country without any warrant or even yesterday's ruling from the California Supreme Court that police officers can search and seize someone's cell phone without a warrant when arresting them. And even, and even leaving aside the administration's ongoing due process free prison camps and assassination programs, the, these are pure political state tac- police state tactics. And I would hold, it's without, mm-hmm. without question, sure. agree with all that. Uh, the pure the Bush era torture scandal was as much about its use of torture in administering allies as it was the torture regime which the U.S. itself created. In the face of these credible allegations, just listen to this American teenager talk and assess how credible he is. The Obama administration, at the very least, has the obligation to inform the public about whether this is true, what its role was, if any, and what it's doing to investigate and protest this abuse of its own citizen. And that's it. Wow. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, now, when did this occur, this event again? Uh, I saw the story today. Okay, but I mean the actual torture. Oh, two weeks ago. He got arrested two weeks ago, and they just randomly show up, and it's like, time for your beating. It's 9 a.m. People are saying, oh, this stuff's over. This was back in the Wild West days of the well, war on terror. Like I said, uh like I said when in, when there was the, John, the McCain v. Obama mm-hmm. election... Uh, I said, well, no matter who wins, what's going to happen is uh, uh, George Bush was sort of the catalyst to get rid of our last shred of, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, you know, the Bill of Rights and uh, what I would what I would say blanketly are natural rights, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and Obama, uh, that he was uh, uh, the Bush administration was really sort of like the bird dog that flushed them out of the bush, and Obama. The Obama administration are really the hunters who are going to blow them out of sky out of the sky in earnest, hmm. and uh, thus far that seems to be an accurate. Well, they're uh, opposing paradigm. political parties. They couldn't be after the same thing. That's where the whole world's divided, whether it's Democrat or Republican. They're diametrically opposed to each other. How could they be cooperative? The next thing you'll tell me is that some of their political figures are going to go to like some kind of weird religious ceremony out in the woods or something. And be all buddy buddy yeah. away from the camera. Don't tell me something that's too crazy. weird to ha- too weird to see that, and yet you see a lot of the same 
political wonks working for both sides. Uh, a good example of that would be what's his, the good old big new Brzezinski. Mm-hmm. He worked in Clinton. David Gergen. Yeah. Who, who Bohemian Grove mm-hmm. member admitted on camera. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, man. Old old Brzezinski in uh, worked all throughout the uh, the Clinton administration, then worked mm-hmm. on John McCain's campaign, and then in the last six months switched over to Obama's campaign. It's like it's a game to them. It's it's and it's, we're the suckers. Yeah. We're the suckers. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I don't want to play ball anymore. I don't want to be part of that yep. whole cycle. Well, I've noticed, one of the things I've noticed studying Habakkuk and a couple other things, there really is a robust tie between righteousness and justice. And I think when you start when you start giving up one... That's progressive liberal You talk give there. up the other. Only if you agree with... Well, if progressive liberal means taking the Bible and investigating it very heavily and closely as God's word, mm-hmm. then yes, it's very progressive and liberal. If progressive and liberal means uh, not worrying about you what be God say. Con- how can you be a conservative evangelical and worry about justice for the little man? Well, I don't, that's diametrically I don't filter, my, I don't filter my, my relationship with Christ through, it's not like uh, as somebody who attends a Calvary chapel, you know, I filter that through the pastor, through Chuck Smith, mm-hmm. through the older confession, through the reformers, through yeah. Bede of Jero, through Paul, through I. I have a direct connection through the you know through mm-hmm. Christ in the heavenlies, right. and right. Uh, He's given me His Word, which I take as inspired. Isn't and that interesting? Above and beyond that, it's like don't tell me don't tell yeah. me what or what not to think. Different parts of the body have found people like that. As mm-hmm. surrogates to grow through mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, you've got the the church teachings, you know, papal bulls and things. Mm-hmm. You've got on the on the. I ref- think they really named that correctly, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And the you know, and then you've got in the 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 Reform side, pro, you know, Protestants mm-hmm. reformers. You've got these confessions, mm-hmm. and you have certain of those that you have to go through sure. and catechisms and stuff like that. That evangelicals mm-hmm. has their own equivalent or stuff uh, like I that. I seek nothing. Know. I, th- I seek nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Baptists have a principle called the priesthood of the believer. Mm-hmm. And the priesthood of the believer believes that everyone is personally accountable before God in their understanding of his word. Well, and and, and that's, we've obviously talked, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't, I don't don't line up in every single way right. with, with the Baptist positions on yeah. things, but that's one that I, I, I identify with very strongly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's... You know, uh, well, that like goes that back old... a long time. And, and the weird thing was, is if I understand this right, I could be wrong. You all mm-hmm. can correct me. But the Anabaptists, which were the precursors, mm-hmm. they got the brunt of, of persecution from both the Catholics and the Reformer. Yeah. Brother Brother T. McSee there uh, sent, me a, sent me an email one time called the uh, uh, sort of an abstract of the Second Diet of Spare, where the Catholics and the 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 Protestants decided. Well, we hate we hate each other, but we hate the Anabaptists even more. So let's common enemy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I can sort of see a theme of world history in mm-hmm. this. You know, I I can see this kind of stuff going on. And well, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see one of the one of the things that you've we've talked about mm-hmm. again off the air is, you know, the implications of some of uh, of, of phrases like the kings of the earth and. Right, uh, you know things like that. One of the interesting things that you see is that, um, and you know who's really to blame. You you can go through the Old Testament and see that uh, Satan isn't actually it's act it's never an actual proper name. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in the New Testament, that's obviously yeah. the case. Uh, but if you take the principle of uh, the dispensational principle, like there's progressive revelation as it mm-hmm. goes throughout the Bible through time, mm-hmm. um, you know, the New Testament, New Testament, you know, Satan as a as an actual proper name of some spiritual yeah. entity. Uh, who's finally named at the end of like the you know once the mm-hmm. veil is finally rent away? Yeah. Well, it's the kings of the earth and the big merchants. Right. You know uh, the very people that we find many of our now they're earthly, but then they're using spiritual devices to accomplish. They're using pharmacia and sorcery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Possibly. And, well, the great city Babylon is the haunt of every you know uh, was it devil and unclean mm-hmm. beast uh, there. Well, one of the one of the things that I've been investigating in my Bible study is just how those two things interact. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, we've talked about the the tie-in between the uh, you know the divine council mm-hmm. and just sort of where the um, uh, just just where the prophet and, and stands mm-hmm. in that, especially in pre-exilic. And that's Israeli, been your sort of history. That you're the yeah. only person I know who's ever really been looking at that. Oh well. At an org chart in the heavenlies <laughs> that includes prophets. <laughs> Where do you hang them on the org chart? Uh, Elijah, I, before God I stand. Um, but in, in in one of the most interesting things, and I, I can't come to any conclusions on it, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Jeremiah, you know, the weeping prophet, yeah. the final, really the final prophet sort of before the, the exile there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place where God is pronouncing judgment, and he gives out a cup of wrath and makes all of the other nations drink it. And... Uh, uh, he gets. He calls Jeremiah forward and gives him. Actually, gives him the cup and says, "Go to each one of these nations and make them do it," as if they were all sitting around hmm. or standing before his throne or something. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, it, or maybe the princes of these nations, like the prince of Persia. Now, prince you, of now you're starting to see where I'm going. With okay. This. Okay. Um, uh, huh. It's all. Uh, so I, he's I, standing I, there at the at the headshed mm-hmm. where all of these. Mm-hmm. Sons of a, God are. I can't. I can't make. I. I, I don't want to give it all away because I'm still working on it. But there's a definite connection, I think, between the kings of the earth, and uh, how the spiritual rule rulers were set up. Um. You know. Uh. Over mm. them. Mm. You know. I think there's a definite connection there. Mm. Wow. So we had a whole show on that right now. Well, when you're ready for a whole show to do it, tell me, and we'll do well, it. Okay. I'm, 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 uh, we've we've talked about this informally yeah. a lot, and I'm getting yeah. to the point where I think I've got enough. Uh, it coalesced enough so where I can present it as a complete piece of of stuff, mm-hmm. and and I'm getting close to the point where I'm going to start writing some of it down. I think. Well, you know, not, if you're not, not sure, you can flesh out here in future quick because nobody listens <laughs> to this. <laughs> Say people have a hard time staying awake during it yeah, anyway, so I you can, can always can, do it here. I heard a bunch of radio dials go click. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this maybe gives you a little taste to come here, Mr. Bionic, speak at the uh, um, Politics of Religion Conference. And you will also be speaking this summer in Branson, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, doing the uh, End stop of July. sleep paralysis. Um, yeah, stop sleep paralysis work along with um, G. Ever Griffin. Mm-hmm. Be speaking me, and, there. me and him are going to be hanging out. Yeah, he's always coffee. wanted to meet you. I know. So it would be a good time for him to... To do that. I I got a story. Mm -hmm. If you want me to head on to that. Hit it, bro. By the way, you were talking about people switching parties. I have a Kissinger story if we get time after this. Great. It's it's interesting. It involves uh, Mm -hmm. Jews and gas chambers. Okay. This is a child porn probe leads to FBI headquarters. Great. This is from the smoking gun, which means... This happens like... I was just talking to somebody about this today. This happens like once a month. We Mm -hmm. find that... 
they do some uh and nobody remembers it everybody forgets it's it's like collective amnesia yeah you tell people about this i feel like i should be i'm gonna start carrying around a stack full of newspaper articles i I always wrestle with how do you have enough all these naysayers and by the way all our futurian people who email they have the same problems Mm -hmm. nobody believes yeah you know when they tell people about what's going on Mm -hmm. so Anyway, here's this story that just came out. Smoking gun, which means they actually have the, the court documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's usually what they use for these. It says, the government's pursuit of suspects trafficking and child pornography recently led federal agents to a familiar address, the FBI's Washington, D.C. headquarters, where a bureau official is the subject of an ongoing criminal probe, the smoking gun has learned. The investigation by the Department of Justice's Inspector General is focusing on FBI employee Joseph Bonsick's receipt of nearly 80 illicit images uh, that were emailed to him by an Illinois sex offender whose rap sheet includes felony convictions for bank robbery and solicitation of a minor. In a telephone interview last night, Bonsick 51 acknowledged that he is under investigation but said that the matter was a misunderstanding and a mix-up. Bonsick, who claimed he's cooperating with probers, said that the FBI officials had told him yesterday not to discuss the ongoing investigation. While adding that he was totally innocent, Bonsick said that he has not been told that he will avoid criminal charges. That direction was apparently triggered by TSG, or smoking gun, inquiries to the agency's press office about Bonsick. Uh, Kathy Wright, an FBI spokesman, refused to disclose his t- job title his responsibilities, or how long he has worked for the Bureau. Claiming that FBI policy borrowed disclosure of such details about a public employee, Wright also declined to say whether Bonsick's job status has changed in light of the child porn investigation. Mm. Uh, TSG is the smoking gun. Uh, Bonsick told TSG that he works as an FBI management and program analyst. Court records reveal that Bonsick's name surfaced in the wake of an FBI probe of Ronald Norweather's. An Illinois felon who was arrested in December 2009 for allegedly sharing hundreds of illicit images and videos via the GigaTrab peer-to-peer network. A criminal complaint notes that Norweather's 29 unknowingly allowed access to his child porn stash to three different undercover operatives. Following his arrest, Norweather voluntarily authorized the FBI to take over control of and use his online presence. This tactic allows agents to secretly assume control of a suspect's screen name, nickname, and email addresses, which can provide immediate access to networks of child porn traders. While using, uh, while reviewing a Yahoo account used by Norweathers, okay, so they took it over, they're now masquerading as him, mm-hmm. so they can bust other people in Bollywood. Sure. FBI agents discovered several exchanges with an AOL email account. One March 2009 correspondence from Norweathers to the AOL account included a file with 78 porn images. After the file was sent, Norweathers received an email from the AOL account saying, I don't want kitty porn scary. Norweathers responded, well, duh, pick through for the teen stuff. I sent how it came to me. A subsequent subpoena revealed that Bonsick was AOL's account subscriber. His contact information included the telephone numbers of his Baltimore home, and day telephone number, um, uh, which was basically the number there of FBI headquarters. So that's what he put in there to I'm get sure, this I'm stuff. I'm sure it's all just a misunderstanding. Uh, according to an affidavit sworn by the Department of Justice investigator, after realizing that Bonsick worked for the FBI, investigators secretly copied the hard drive of Bonsick's office computer. 
While a forensic examination did not turn up any illicit images, a variety of evidence retrieved from the machine linked him to the AOL address utilized by Bonsick on March 13, 2009, to receive child pornography. At Bonsick's request, the TSG reporter forwarded him a search warrant that recently allowed agents to seize a CD containing email content from his AOL account. He did not reply to messages left for him this morning, so he can comment on the warrant's contents. Nor Weathers, who spent about four years in federal prison for his bank robbery and solicitation convictions, is currently being held without bail at the federal lockup in Chicago. He is named in a four-count July 2010 indictment, charging him with possession and distribution of child pornography. Mm. You know, so that's their that's their stringent screening and vetting procedure for their. That's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, I I, I know somebody in my family. We talked about. Uh, he he was extremely exceedingly angry at uh, uh, former President Clinton, who, who during his campaign, you know, sort of admitted to smoking pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't at the time, being a younger individual, I didn't entirely understand. And I asked yeah. him, I said, "What's the deal?" And he said, "He said at my job, it's it's so intense that if somebody, if the right person found found out that I merely knew that somebody else." might have smoked pot right. at one time in their life, right. they could fire me. Right. And here is this guy that I now work under, and, you know, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, is in charge of my branch of government, uh, openly admitting it, mm-hmm. and not a thing happens. Yeah. What message does that send? Well, see, the thing is, here's the other thing I was taught. I have security clearance, okay? Mm-hmm. I was taught, if you you engage in this kind of behavior, you are bait for extortion. Russian agents watch what everybody's doing, mm-hmm. and they and they find you doing this kind of stuff. They'll dangle the pictures over you and say, you know, or evidence, mm-hmm. you get us what we need, or this gets out. And so that's why they go th- ask you all these questions and go through character references and stuff. Not even just the fact that whether you would be likely to hand over information, mm-hmm. but whether you have the kind of behavior that sets you up for extortion. You know, it's come out, you know, it's... Commonly discussed, I can't verify if it's true, but you know, it's been said that the mob had these kind of incriminating photos of Hoover. Yeah. And therefore, he never acknowledged. Here's the head man of the FBI for 50 There's years. There's no organized crime. There's no in organized the US. crime. Yeah. You know, and that's what presidents do all the time. We'll yeah. send the goods on them. So. Yeah. Anyway, you got a story for us, man. I got so many stories. It's just sick. you got to pick one. All right. Well, here we go. First one at least. Trial collapses after undercover undercover officer changes sides. Mary, okay. This is via the Marion Jones. It's 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 English uh, from the BBC Newsnight. The trial of six Green campaigners has collapsed after an undercover policeman who had infiltrated the group offered to give evidence on their behalf. The six were charged with conspiring to shut down the Ratcliffe on Soar power station in Nottingham in 2009. The case was due to start on Monday, but was abandoned after PC Mark Kennedy contacted the defense team to say he would be prepared to help them. The prosecution subsequently dropped their case. Mr. Kennedy had been intimately involved in the Green Movement since 2000. He was known to those within as Mark Flash Stone, having earned the nickname because he always seemed to make to have more money than the other activists. Um, he lived a double life as Mark Kennedy of the Metropolitan Police and as Mark Stone, Green activist based in Nottingham. Danny Cheevers... Uh, who was one of the six defendants in the failed case, said Mr. Kennedy was not just an observer, but an agent provocateur. 
We're not talking about someone sitting at the back of the meeting taking notes. He was in the thick of it. Mr. Kennedy would disappear for extended periods, saying he had to visit his, quote, brother in the U.S. In October 2010, Mr. Kennedy was confronted by some of the activists after they found documents which revealed his true identity. He admitted he had been a Met police officer and infiltrated their organizations before then disappearing. Speaking about the Ratcliffe on Soar protest, Mr. Chivers said, Mark Stone was involved in organizing this for months. They could have stopped it at the start. But they didn't. Instead, Mr. Chivers said the police officers helped recruit as many people as possible. He also drove a reconnaissance party to the power station in his van and then hired a truck for the main protest, Mr. Chivers added. The activist plan was to try to shut down the coal-fired power station for a few days as a protest against global warming. But in Mar- April 2009, when 114 people had gathered for a meeting at the Iona School in Nottingham, hundreds of police swooped on the building and arrested them all for conspiracy to commit aggravated trespass. Twenty con- were convicted late last year. Ratcliffe on Soar was one of many actions in Britain and across Europe which Mr. Kennedy was involved in, including the protests against the G8 summits at Glen Eagles in 2005, which helped give birth to the climate camp movement. He was one of the key people setting up Glen Eagles 2005, Mr. Chivers, who also claimed the undercover officer drove protesters there in his van. Hmm. So there you go. You know, do you ever wonder, like... How much terrorism would be left over if all of the sting operations were gotten rid of? Would there be yeah. much left other than the ones that we artificially create? Life would be quiet, wouldn't it? I guess there'd be a lot of layoffs and stuff. That wouldn't be good. You know, police yep. force and stuff like that. Yeah, you wouldn't couldn't have, artificially create it to you wouldn't create have some these, hysteria. Like, you wouldn't have these Texas towns with like 2,500 people who the police force has a rack of AK-47s and a tank. Right. You know? Well, it's like the old, the Fuller Brush salesmen, which were the classic door-to-door salesmen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, generations ago, mm-hmm. that they were the ones that learned the techniques for selling to housewives and to people home to home, and mm-hmm. their their slogan was, first you have to create a need, then fill it. <laughs> and so maybe that's what these sting operations are about. They have to create the need, so then they can, you know, fill it with the uh, military force. So. Well, I just, that's, I'm just, I'm, I'm like beyond... I'm beyond trying to talk to people about it sometimes. I just sort of, or, yeah. or even beyond like really trying to be really political about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if something happens, I just say, well, actually, it's interesting we're talking about this because this is what I believe, and just sort of lay it out there in a not angry, but just you know, let the let the baloney hit the ceiling and see what happens. I've never heard the bologna hitting the ceiling. I didn't know that. Is that like throwing spaghetti on a wall to see yeah, if it's cooked? Yeah, kind of. Um, boy, that bologna hit the ceiling. Whack. Bologna. Punk. It ain't coming down. <laughs> Speaking of bologna, can I talk a little bit about Henry Kissinger? Oh, that's a man full of bologna. Okay, this is from foxnews.com, okay, and Reuters. It sort of reminds me of like a classic German-style bologna. I think, I think you'll enjoy this story. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kissinger satisfies few with apology for comment on Jews in Soviet gas chambers. Uh, Jewish historians are dismissing an apology by Henry Kissinger offered over the weekend in response to a 1973 recording of him saying that Jews, sending Jews to a Soviet gas chamber is not an American concern. Isn't he, isn't he Jewish? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a story that, uh, uh, Haganah, the, uh, um, 
the Jew- Zionist you mm-hmm. know, terrorist organization, mm-hmm. that they actually were getting funding from the SS, Nazi SS, huh. and were fully in support of the Holocaust because it helped promote Zionist homeland. Wow. Now, that's a pretty much... This was recently uh, captured SS records, showed mm-hmm. a covert agreement between the SS and Haganah. Wow. Uh, the forerunner of the IDF. So, um, anyway, yeah. um, that's, I'll just throw that bomb out there and then move on. Uh, it says, uh, he says, the 37-year-old comment by the former Secretary of State uh, followed immediately after a conversation Kissinger and President Nixon had with Israeli Minister Golda Meir. In the meeting, Meir asked the U.S. to pressure the Soviet Union to release its Jews. Nixon and Kissinger declined. See, here's the theme. They're all rotten. All these people are rotten on all sides. The kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth conspired. They've become the haunts of every good beast or every evil beast and every evil thing under the sun. And through their sorcery, they deceived the nations of the earth. Ding. Uh... Okay, uh, the immigration of Jews from the Soviet Union is not an objective of American foreign policy. Uh, Kissinger is reportedly heard saying on the tape. And if they put Jews into gas chambers in the Soviet Union, it is not an American concern. Maybe a humanitarian concern. Well, I, we're, this is the same guy who said that military people are nothing but stupid, rotten sheep. That's right, yeah. that's right. And then Nixon said, I know, we can't blow up the world because of it, Nixon reportedly replied. Writing an op-ed that appeared suddenly in the Washington Post, Kissinger said it was unfortunate that his words were taken out of context. <laughs> the the con- conversation at issue arose not as a policy statement by me, but in response to a request by the president, Kissinger said, explaining that Nixon had wanted two senators to withdraw an amendment to trade negotiations that would have tied Jewish immigration to most favored nation status. The amendment known as the Jackson-Vanik Amendment passed into law anyway, uh, chilling the detente that Nixon had pursued with USSR. My answer tried to sum up that context in a kind of shorthand that when read 37 years later is undoubtedly offensive, Kissinger wrote. But Jewish historians claim Kissinger's attempt to rebrand history is not only inaccurate, it undermines his stature. Says Henry Kissinger can apologize, but he cannot erase the historic horror of his comment. He can explain it away, but he cannot make his new legacy go away. What they ought to do is just have him... You know that that picture of him yeah. in in dressed as a woman from the from the uh, Bohemian Grove, yeah, yeah. Uh, which he proudly talks about. I mean, I know I, main, I mainstream reporters talk yeah, about like him doing. Spy magazine has a big article of him yeah. dancing around like a hula girl. Right, it's, right. It's like crazy. Yeah, yep. Uh, but you know, a lot of these people, these right leaders who are all supporting Israel, stuff mm-hmm. like that, they stab them in the back all the time. They all stab each other in the back. Yeah. You know, we're the ones who think we have a clear scorecard of who's who, you know. Um, okay, it says, uh, Edwin Black, Arthur of the uh, newly released uh, book, The Farhood, a book that details the history of Arab violence against Jews and eventual Arab-Nazi collaboration. Black said Kissinger, whose relatives were killed in the Holocaust, has now defined himself as the archetypical assimilationist Jew who could never help his people because he hid behind immoral platitudes. What he failed to understand is that you cannot distance yourself from the heritage because that distance will not be determined by you but by others. Uh, in his apology, Kissinger argued that it was because of Nixon's policies that Jews were able to get out of the Soviet Union. Um, so um, let me just sort of skip here. Uh, so as, uh, Kissinger says, everybody wants to take credit for helping the Jews out, but never in that time did I think I would hear Henry Kissinger take credit, said Gail Beckerman a staff writer for Ford Newspaper, a Jewish publication. Um, 
He says it's just objectively wrong. There's no figures to back it up at all. Um, Beckerman concurred with Kissinger that immediately after Congress uh, passed the disputed amendment tying trade to Jewish immigration that the Soviets clamped down on the Jews. But he said Kissinger refused to acknowledge that the crumbling Soviet Union eventually buckled when it realized that it needed the Jew, it needed uh, to let the Jews leave if it wanted to make deals with the United States. Uh, President Reagan rec- recognized the power of the linkage. Uh, for Reagan, this cost was tailor-made in some sense. So, anyway, they say, here's President Nixon who came to the defense of Israel. Uh, this is from uh, Abe Foxman, Anti-Defamation League. It says, President Nixon who came to the defense of Israel, who intervened time and time again to protect Israel. He understood that Israel is part of America's national security interest. And yet, he was bigoted against Jews. He was a bigot. He was an anti-Semite. So when Kissinger, in that type of intimidating atmosphere, I'm not ready to judge. I'm sure he wishes he hadn't said it. Now, he, he gave away the whole thing. is They helped Israel, not because it was the right thing to do, not because they thought it was a moral thing to do, but it was because they thought for their near-term security objectives they did. Mm-hmm. They didn't care less about them. Mm-hmm. Didn't care what happened to them. Exactly. Nor any of our allies mm-hmm. uh, Do they? does America care about. Um, so... Uh, I think uh, I think that's pretty much uh, it that I want to mention about here. It says, he believed that you made a distinction between American foreign policy and American interest. It's not about American ideals. It seems obvious to me that where he's coming from. He said, I'm not going to let moral issues destroy this web I'm building with the Soviets. Uh, Black added that Kissinger's log- logic then and now is faulty because separating the morality of events from pr- political objectives already proved disastrous from War Two. No one is better when anyone is gassed, Black said, and the idea that the gassing of a community stops at a border was proven erroneous by Adolf Hitler. So there's our good friend, Mr. Kissinger. Yep. And guess what? We need to start... Um, oh, we get to do some reader emails. or Yeah, listener emails, rather. That's right. It is time to do uh, listener emails right now, if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive right in. This will be our new segment and uh, you can get your comments on this, too, if you like. Uh, I've, I've tried to keep these in somewhat chronological order when okay. they come in. Yeah. Um, okay, this is from uh, our our sister. Uh, this is from the Stevens, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, she says, uh, Since my husband and I are Internet listeners, we don't mind any type of format as long as you don't quit. This is from word of when we were changing over. Mm -hmm. It says, thank you for doing a whole week of tomorrow's tremors. I often wish that you would do more news stories because you guys seem to come up with stories the rest of us would not find. Plus, you have wonderful perspectives on them. Mm -hmm. I would also like to mention that because the two of my favorite programs you have are the ones with Tom Bionic because you cover a little detail on other religions and what they believe and how it fits in with the Bible, Mm -hmm. such as sleep paralysis. Very interesting. Not normally covered on other shows. Uh, it says, you have also seemed to have read my mind about combining your research more concisely. You know, I've mentioned that we need to put yeah. some more efforts on putting this stuff I down, organizing. I think it would be a wonderful thing if someone, I wish I had the time, but not with three kids, to do a chronology. Many times on your program you've mentioned how many things seem to coincide all the time, i.e., Aleister Crowley dying, Dead Sea Scrolls, Israel mm-hmm. becoming a nation, etc., there are so many things that, as you know, are not in the history books, nor are they available anywhere else. So, and they talked about if you could put a timeline and put it online, it would help us see the big picture. 
So maybe sometime we need to try that as mm-hmm. a is a thing. It may be informative for us to actually document it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, lastly, this would be my last request for now. Please make some of this information available online. Uh, it says that, you know, when you're trying to explain this stuff to non-believers, uh, it's hard to find fast information that's incredibly done to show them. So, uh, and it says, thanks for all you do, guys. Uh, we here in Iola appreciate your work. Iola. Uh, yeah, that's a town, I believe. Isn't that? I thought that was mayonnaise with garlic in it. Really? Yeah. Oh no, that's Weeby. Sorry. I don't know. You're the gourmet cook. I yeah. don't know about that. It's good, man. But anyway, I want to thank you all out there uh, for your email. And uh, with this new format, if we try this weekly thing, I'm going to be spending my whole life editing. Uh, and that's why I need to know from you all if it helps you all your listening experience. Um, if we do do this for a while. Uh, these segments will fit on YouTube. So if you all get the urge, you find something you hear, and you want to put a segment on YouTube, yeah. do it. Uh, we reserve the right ourselves to do that in the mm-hmm. future, too, but feel free to get it up there. But all right. Thank you so much for your email. Yeah. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, oh, this is an important one. This is from one of our prior guests. Well, a very important show we had on Future Quake. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Dr. Melissa Riley. Oh, yeah. Um uh, she says on here, uh, we haven't had her, you know, she was on the early days of our Future Quake show. Mm-hmm. We were the only show that would really give a serious show about the uh, Wolf Creek Dam possibly collapsing mm-hmm. and inundating Nashville in 60 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mainstream media wouldn't do it. They wouldn't really cover it. And so the government FEMA website actually linked to Future Quake. Wow. Isn't that something? An official, go- an official government website linked to Future Quake. I'm sure there are many links to it, but they're all behind well, the that, like that's true. main it's, core firewall. Yeah, it's like those those guys, the official guys who are also the, you know, into mm-hmm. the kiddie porn. Yeah. You know, yeah, the uh, they illumin- also are The like, uh, low-level illuminists. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, uh, let's see here. She says... Uh, Hope you've been doing good. Want to touch base. I'm working as part of a FEMA grant to provide emotional support to the survivors of the Tennessee floods. As you know, last year, this was the worst natural disaster in the history of Nashville. Yeah. The I missed last most year. of it. I sat on my my couch and read books. and then. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. It, yeah, was, it was crazy. It almost flooded the place here. If you've ever had any open radio spots, we would love to talk about the emotional toll on natural disaster survivors and the state of recovery for Tennesseans after the second worst natural disaster in U.S. history. Attached is a paper we have drafted uh, that gives you an idea of how important it is that we help people learn to talk about their emotional recovery and get assistance. Um, she is really into helping these people. Evidently, the trauma is severe. It's it's had a devastating um, psychological impact on people. Mm-hmm. You know, we may not be around those people in those parts of town yeah. as much, but evidently, it's still there. We well, you know, you know, where they had that last days conference, the last days conference. Mm-hmm. Nary two weeks later, some yeah, at that the was, same place somebody died. That same yeah, like like we could have block away with a good arm. One of us, well, probably mm-hmm. not any of us, because yeah. we don't have good arms. But a uh, you know a good baseball thrower could yeah. could. Lock a baseball to where that guy drowned on national TV or on local TV because yeah. we watched on local TV. Mm-hmm. Watch these cars, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I'd, I'd ask her about you know sharing this information and things like this. Um, uh, and uh, she says, uh, please share with anyone that can help the fl- support the flood survivors. Flooding is the most common and worst natural disaster. So if what we're experiencing here and learning can be shared with other communities to bolster their knowledge and support. 
in the event they experience it, that will be a benefit to everyone. Thank you so much for your support. Any volunteers that can come to Tennessee and assist even a week in rebuilding will be much needed. Thank you. Hmm. That's Dr. Melissa Riley. Yeah. She is showing true Christian compassion. Sure. And she's really dedicated to what she's doing. And uh, think about it. If you'd like for us to have a brief segment yeah. talking about how people can get help, particularly emotional help, and what really happens to people that we don't understand unless we've been through it. And, It'd be an uh, interesting show. And, yeah, listeners, let us know if it's something that you'd like us to talk about. Um, here is, um, okay, this is uh, Rachel. Okay. Ra- it's all, all female cast here so far. So far, far yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, Rachel says, uh, thank you for blessing us with your wonderful program. Future Quake has been both an inspirational and educational program with a Bible basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I are very grateful to have found this bright light in the darkness. So I appreciate that very, very much for those kind words. Well, there you go. And um, keep it an hour on our, our clock Dr. here. Dr. Future, turn Tom Bionic's microphone off. Thank you. Now, I've got another signed stack Henry of those Kissinger. emails. Signed, Henry Kissinger. <laughs> and no, phone. they don't say yeah. that. Okay, here's one. Here's a mail. Okay, well, Steve. Okay, this the, is Steve. The trend here. Okay, uh, Steve says, um, Doctor Future and Tom Bionic have been listening for several months and have enjoyed all but one of your programs. The one I had a problem with was your interview with Adam Ellenboss. This was the ayahuasca mm-hmm. Fishers and Men show. He says, I hope this comes across as constructive criticism because I really like what you're doing, and I'm afraid last week's show may have hurt your relationship with a significant part of your audience. I speak as someone who currently writes for a Christian website uh, and has 30 years of broadcasting experience. Please consider what I'm saying has some validity. As a listener, I had to grit my teeth through three days of broadcast before I was sure of whether you were endorsing anti-biblical values or were merely playing the devil's advocate. On the fourth day, you challenged some of Mr. Allen Boss's unusual beliefs to my great relief. I'm afraid that not everyone stuck around for the Thursday broadcast. I recognized that you wanted to draw him out of his experiences in a respectful way, which you succeeded in doing. In the future, I suggest you may want to consider scheduling a guest who's had similar experiences, but eventually turned to Orthodox Christian beliefs. And that way, you would not feel threatened as you held up the biblical norm throughout the discussion. I'll get off my soapbox now. I wish God's best for you as you continue to examine issues that most others in your position would ignore. I'm a fan. You may use my name if you wish. No, well, that's good. Uh, oh, that was meant to be constructively. It was meant supportive. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. a concern about listeners and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple thoughts on it. Uh, I, I don't think that circumstance is any different than if you have, let's say you have a Christian on the air that has some kind of horrible life in their testimony like they were in the occult or other kind mm-hmm. of stuff a lot of times it all sounds really really terrible till you get to the tail end mm-hmm. and if you've got an episodic show it's going to be bad no matter what mm-hmm. until you get to the punchline mm-hmm. the other part is so anyway i'm saying is that's that's actually more common kind of thing we have to deal with mm-hmm. when we see people's darkness or they come to darkness to light mm-hmm. the second thing is um is that it would be nice to have some people who really dabbled in ayahuasca and did all this other kind of stuff and then got their head together and said, what was I doing, and came back to Christ. But I haven't seen any of them yet. And that's part of what the danger is, Mm -hmm. is that these people don't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess theoretically, 
and I appreciate uh, Brother Steve's concern for us. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, well intentioned that there might be some people who just turn on a few things and say, "Well, gee, those guys are they're promoting horribleness." Well, I'm not, and it's possible, um, but I don't think it's I don't think it is worth it enough not to get people like that on our show to be able to show us things that the Christian researchers just simply don't have the inside information. Yeah, they're on twenty years touch. behind fighting about. Yeah. Other stuff that's long since happened and been done. God is dead. The philosophers say God is dead. Well, yeah, yeah they did like 50 right. years ago. Yeah, you know. we're way beyond that. And this is where it's happening right now. Now, the yeah. ugly part of it is that we run this risk if somebody tunes in and catches a little earlier. We presume, and maybe this is a false presumption, that our listeners are mature and grown up enough, that they, particularly if they've mm-hmm. listened for a while, that there is a method to our madness. Uh, and I hope when when... When Steve says if he's listened for a while, uh, when he says he, he, he was, uh, he said he had to listen before he was sure whether we were endorsing anti-biblical avid, av- values. You know what I've noticed? I, I hope that he knew that we wouldn't be doing that. You know what I've noticed? And, and, and here's a very interesting point. Yeah. Uh, uh, at no time did we endorse any of his values. All we did was allow him to tell a story. Uh, and what I've noticed is that, and, and I don't think this is the case with uh, um, uh, the gentleman's name. Yeah, very right, eloquent. Steve. But uh, I've noticed that there's been a there's a culture that has developed that if you do not shout down the yeah. person yeah. with uh, uh, biblical cliches and slogans soon, yeah, yeah, and then then you are viewed as somebody who is right. somehow tacitly endorsing what they say, and I, yeah. I that's very sad. Um, I mean, my position on all this is. Very much like it's always been, you know. If you don't like what I'm doing, you can always start your own yeah. radio show. <laughs> well, Steve meant it well. Yeah. He meant it and constructively, I, I don't mean that. I, and he's a friend, and he yeah. said that up front. He we appreciate you, Steve. Sincere, I don't want it to come off sounding he, bad. He had sincere concerns, mm-hmm. and he's not the only one who's ever echoed those. We had Linda Moulton Howe on, mm-hmm. similar responses from a few listeners, mm-hmm. a handful. Now, the overwhelming number said, hey, we learned something. That if somebody like her hadn't been there, we wouldn't have learned. Mm-hmm. Or you, you sort of indirectly exposed her by, by what was said. But we don't want to exploit people. We don't want to just do it for, we treat them as human beings and dignity and the golden mm-hmm. rule. Maybe that's our mistake. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. I, I would think that, uh, I, uh, speaking tongue in cheek, I think that really, yeah. I think some people really do view that as a mistake. Possibly. Yeah. Poss- I mean, really, you're getting down to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving people dignity and applying the golden rule mm-hmm. is, is tantamount to selling out. Mm-hmm. Somehow, uh, somehow treating that person. And I'm not saying act- Steve says that, yeah. but I'm just saying there is, while we're on the topic, there, is there are a people. culture of that, undoubtedly. Yeah. If you yeah. don't, if you don't shout that guy down and best him in an argument, um, mm-hmm. then somehow you have endorsed both his viewpoint, his lifestyle, and, and, yeah. Let let go of your moorings as a Bible believing right. Christian. Sold out the gospel. Yeah. yeah, and and Steve, we're not putting. We don't mean to put those words in your mouth. It yeah. just provides us a good form to bring that up. Yeah. And Steve, we 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 thank you for your advice. Mm-hmm. We don't always know if we handle it right. We appreciate your prayers. We try real hard. And, and if any of you have any comments on his thoughts too, we mm-hmm. appreciate hearing from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a, just a few more minutes for a couple more. Um, this is um, this is another one on Adam Allen Bus. Um, this is from Alice, okay? A little different view here. Um, a lot of times I'll go ask Alice. She's 10 feet yeah. tall. Um, <laughs> okay, Alice says, Sister Alice uh, says, hello Does there. Does she have a restaurant? Yeah, uh-huh. You can get anything you want there. 
Um, just have to go pick up the garbage. Alice, we're just having <laughs> we're just having fun. We love you, sister. Okay, it says uh, hello there. I just finished listening to the show. Very interesting. This is Adam Ellenbaugh's show. Okay, mm-hmm. another perspective. Mm-hmm. From my own experiences, I know that there is much validity in what he was saying about the spirit world and altered states of consciousness. He is deceived, but seemed like a very nice young man. Mm-hmm. You guys did a great job on the interview. And I do hope this young man will come back to Christ. Amen to that, yeah, sister. Sure. Thank you for the thought-provoking afternoon. Well, we sure hope we can give you a few more, Sister Allison. Thank you for that encouraging word, because uh, that helps us feel a bit better when mm-hmm. there's a touchy topic and we get good feedback from you mm-hmm. all, even when it's constructive criticism like Brother Steve mm-hmm. gave us. Uh, okay, this is from Audra. Okay. Uh Audra uh, is one of our more uh, remote uh, listeners there. Let me see here. I've got... Uh, Does she live in like the Faroe Islands or something? No, not that remote. Uh, she says, uh, Dear Doctor... Adams, Tennessee. says, I trust you are blessed, strengthened, and encouraged in the Lord. I really enjoyed this week's show, by the way. Um, and I believe she is in uh, South Africa. South Africa. And... Uh, uh, she says, thanks again for all you're doing, for standing up for the truth and shining God's light in areas that few dare to tread. And may the Lord give you even more boldness as you walk in his grace. And I will say, I, I don't know how much I'm privy to say, but she is in a position of tremendous influence in the country. Uh, noticed, and she has yeah. provided me some very, very interesting information. If I can find a way to provide it about interesting things going on mm-hmm. at that level that... Uh, I mean, it's nothing she's not classified or anything, but I mean, mm-hmm. just useful stuff that's there that if you didn't live there, Did you probably wouldn't know about. Did she missile or something? I mean. Didn't sell a missile, no. Um, no. Sweet person's been in touch with us a good bit and supported us. Um, and uh, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll, we'll have some more to share with, with Audra, but I want to acknowledge her that she's somebody who's taken tangible effort to support our ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got numerous South African people who listen. We've got to start a little South African FQ club down there. We could. We could. Like a satellite. But you know who we need to bring in right now, though, yes. is we need to bring our dear friend Merv, who can tell everybody how to contact us at Future Quake. Mm-hmm. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. It's the end of the line. It's the end for this week. We're stumbling our way trying to through a semi-new format. Yeah. Uh, this show's got to be edited in like a couple days to be uploaded, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get it broken in the daily shows. You'll see yeah, if they're there. Yeah. It requires daily updates to the, all the files and everything else mm-hmm. online and may be unbearable. But yeah. if you really like it, let us know. But until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.